Hi, everybody. It's Michelle Jackson, and I'm here with another amazing author to talk about, well, amazing writer to talk about their work. We have yeah, Makin Yassar, who is here. He is our poetry winner for the Chapter One Writing Competition. It was our first writing competition that is 100% sponsored by the Black Writers Workspace. We had two top winners for the nonfiction fiction category. We gave out $500 and for the poetry category, we gave out $250 and the title of our top prize winner for this competition. The competition itself was designed for African-American self-published and unpublished writers. And the goal was to highlight or to feature some of the amazing work that's coming out of our community. And so we will be doing this competition annually and maybe even twice a year. So look out for information about the competition and what you would have to do in order to compete is if you are submitting for the fiction nonfiction, you will provide us up to 20 pages of your manuscript or of a piece that you're working on. It doesn't have to be published. If you are submitting for the poetry competition or the poetry category, you will provide seven, five to seven poetry submissions. And so McKean competed against a host of other poets to beat them all out, I guess you can say it that way, um, and to walk, walk away with the top prize. So we have him here today to talk about it because it's part of the prize for him is for him to get an opportunity to connect with other writers here on the Black Writers Workspace. So if you're out there and you're listening, or if you're watching us on Facebook, we do ask that you drop a line and let us know that you're there. And we ask that if you are on Facebook, that you go to my page, Author Michelle D. Jackson, and share the link on your Facebook page so that we can optimize the number of people who are watching this particular series. Tonight, or it's 4.30 where I am, so I'll say this afternoon, I have two other interviews after this interview, so you're going to be seeing a lot of me. Uh, however, I'm just here to facilitate a good conversation and make sure that our writers get an opportunity to get their questions answered by someone who is actively in the space and making big things happen. So let's bring McKean on the screen now. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Can you hear me okay? I'm great. So last week we tried to meet and um, we had some technical difficulties. Um, however, I was also in the process of evacuating because of a hurricane. So I wanted to tell you, thank you so much for being um, kind enough to reschedule with me. And I'm glad that we are both able uh, to be here today. My family, my life, everything is good. I know everybody's been asking about that. I do appreciate everyone with the kind words and the support, but we are great here in New Orleans. Um, a little damage to the house, not much, but we're here. And so McKean, you're out in Cali and I'm pretty sure that weather is beautiful. So thank you so much for being with us and for competing in the chapter one writing competition. For those of you who are out there, if you have any questions for me or for McKean, please don't hesitate to drop those in the comment section we are here to talk with you so let's talk about your submission and uh well let's first start off with you telling us about yourself yeah uh so a little bit about myself um what's good everyone uh hope everyone's safe and sound glad that you're okay michelle and thank you for having me on um this opportunity has been a really great one so i greatly appreciate it um 
a uh, little bit about myself. Um, McKinney Sar, I'm a writer. I'm 24 years old. Um, originally from a small desert city called Palmdale, California. Um, but my um, family is based in Los Angeles. Uh, I currently um, have been staying in Inglewood for the past year. Um, and uh, both of those identities um, in terms of, you know, the places where I was raised definitely um, had a big impact on who I am and where I come from. Um, my mom and her side of the family were based in Baldwin Hills, Crenshaw area. Uh, and my dad came out from all the way from St. Louis uh, to meet her and then become a part of her life, uh, which led to me. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's really an honor to be here. I would say that, um, you know, at the beginning stages of stepping into my identity as a writer over the past couple of years, I'm actually pre-med. Uh, so end goal for me is actually to apply to medical school next year and pursue a career as a physician. So uh, definitely stepping outside my comfort zone in terms of like being more public about my writing and my art. So you are combining science and art. And sometimes <laughs> people uh, believe that those are, they're not in the same vein, but really it's all innovation. And so I really do think that it's excellent that you're pre-med. I can't wait to you become a doctor because we need more black doctors out there in the world. And I don't think it's a big contradiction of each other to, to, to pursue both. Um, and so I'm glad to see that you are someone uh, who wasn't afraid to step out and do something different. And talk to us a little bit about that. When did you know that writing is something you wanted to do with your life? So funny enough, I actually wanted to be a writer first um, before I decided to uh, start pursuing uh, medicine. Um, so, you know, me and my brother, we always grew up being, um, you know, people who really like to read. Um, you know, when I was younger, I was really into the arts. So, um, you know, uh, the schools I went to, you know, they had, you know, certain performing arts programs. And, you know, I took acting lessons when I was younger, like elementary through middle school, and I did all my school plays. It was something I really enjoyed when I was younger. Um, you know, before the recession hit and a lot of those programs got cut. Um, but um, when I got to high school, even though I didn't join the theater program, because back then I was playing ball, um, I definitely still was very interested in writing. Like any English class I took, I was always heavily invested in. Um, I, you know, I went to a really big public school and one of the things that we did every year is we had like a poetry slam. Um, and so there was just so many kids that we couldn't do one for the entire school, but we had enough um we we ended up doing it by period so every year from my period um you know we would have like a couple hundred people in the auditorium and i would perform and i would win um so i won like my junior and senior year um so i i knew from jump that writing was like a big part of me art was a big part of me um but then i had a big change and shift heading into my senior year where i started falling in love with you know science and that part of myself too right um and i would say that i ended up losing the artistic side of me when i got to college just because pre-med and you know a lot of you know a lot of your hobbies die when you become a pre-med just because it's so intense um but it was a big part of me finding myself again i would say after i finished up um from school uh in terms of just making sense of you know my life um you know the things that were happening around me um and just processing that writing was a big part of like in a, in a sense keeping me sane yeah, uh, something that we talk a lot about it on the page is the fact that writing is very therapeutic and that um, speaking with someone last night, I was actually interviewing the poet laureate for the state of Alabama, Miss Ashley Jones, and we were talking about how the pen is healing people. And it really is. 
it is a healing source. So it's good to hear that you say that. Now, you made a big pivot in many ways from writing to, I mean, people will say that you made a big pivot from writing to, to science. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I am someone who always wants to be a writer, but instead went into the corporate world, ran shopping centers for 10 years and wrote policy for six years and then have had a business for many years. And when I look back at it, I always wanted to be a writer. That, that was the only thing I ever really wanted to be. But I grew up in public housing. I didn't have a lot of the things that I'll say it this way. I felt like in order to get out of the financial situation I was in, I needed to take a traditional job. I needed to do something that wasn't going to force me to possibly be a starving artist first, because that that felt outside the realms of where I wanted to go. And my brothers were all very creative. And so I grew up in a, in a creative household. But none of us were able to kind of make that million dollars we probably should have made because you know, <laughs> we had a long climb to get there. So I went the corporate route and I would always kick myself because I felt like I'd given up on my dreams. And then all of a sudden, when I, I was 35 years old and I published my first book and I remember kind of publishing the book and then looking back and saying, wow, you know what? I've really been writing the whole time. I may not have been writing creatively. But I wrote policy for yeah. a bank. I wrote a policy for the state of Maryland. Mm. I wrote, you know, everything I did, marketing and content development and graphic design and all these are, are very creative things, even when I was in the mall industry. And I was a marketing director in the mall industry. So I was constantly writing newsletters yeah. and all these different pieces. And so I had to say to myself that writing is a component of everything that we do. Everything, literally. So everything. we don't give up on it. We may not be pursuing it from a, you know, I'm doing this creatively based on just my own creative passions, but we may be doing it. You may be writing for the whoever you work for when you become a doctor. You may write a great, you know, piece or journal. I know you do a lot of journaling when you're a doc, you know, doing a lot of research. Mm -hmm. All of that is writing. And so we have to give ourselves a little bit more credit to say we're not giving up on it. We're just shifting. <laughs> this is a different approach. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's a different yeah. approach. And then, you know, be willing to come back to the creative side of it. So you were winning uh, poetry slams in your high school. <laughs> I feel that I, I, I when I read your work, you didn't you don't write like someone who's never written before. You write like someone who sees something beautiful and go in your room and lay across the bed and write a poem that floors <laughs> everybody. Is that is that how you operate? Is that kind of your passion? It's like you can you just see something and you just go with it because you definitely write like someone who's done this before. Yeah, I would say that um, a big part of my approach is um, thinking about it in terms of like um, uh, you know writing definitely for myself. Um, first and just getting those emotions, those thoughts and feelings out there. Um, but then writing with the intention of thinking about how I could paint a picture for somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I really do try and make an effort to really invest in my, you know, imagery and um, making my writing really imagistic um, and relying on the senses because, you know, writing in of itself is also, you know, a way to connect with other people. Like you were saying, when you were doing the writing, um, you know, in all these other places where I was writing policy or even the newsletter mm -hmm. within the corporate world, right? It's like writing's meant to be able to communicate and connect with people. And it, it was like one of those things where um, 
you know, it, when, when I write, I, at the end of the day, want to be in conversation with folks um, based on the things I've experienced in my life, the, um, you know, my experiences as a black man in America, you know, my experiences being black in community with other black people, um, you know, um, you know, feelings and thoughts on memories and the things that, um, you know, made me the person who I am today and, you know, kind of like exploring nostalgia and just making sense of what those feelings and emotions are. Um, a lot of my poetry is definitely like autobiographical in that way. Uh, mm -hmm. I definitely do like a lot of self-narrative and just kind of like thinking about myself in certain moments and how those moments felt to me, painting my emotions with like my words. Um, so I guess that's kind of like one of the ways in which I kind of take that approach. History also plays a, a really big part in that, like understanding um, you know, the, you know, the history of my, you know, my forebearers and, uh, you know, my ancestry, but also, you know, history of our people too, where it's like, you know, I'm, you know, as a, as someone who was an African-American studies minor, you know, a, a good uh, saying that they use a lot is, you know, that we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And so that, that's a lot of inspiration for me too. You know, you could be the poetic doctor, like you can go from room to room and help people and drop a line every time. <laughs> you, you can TikTok that. I love that. So, you know, don't let my 14 year old hear me say TikTok. That. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, I love what you're saying and you are, you're doing it so well. And I'm so proud that you are looking at every element of your life and using it to tell a story. And that story is gonna outlive you. You do know that, right? Your words are going to outlive you. We'll be reading about McKean for years and years and years because of how wonderful and how great you are with putting pen to paper and expressing yourself. So congratulations on that. I was saying to you before we got on here that I didn't judge in the competition but I did see your work. You were one of the few that I was able to read all of your submissions. And when I found out that you won, I was so excited because I love what I read. And so that is a good thing. And you're gonna read a little bit of that for us in a minute. But if it, there's anyone out there, if you have any questions for me or for McKean, please don't hesitate to drop that um, in the comment area. However, this, will, this particular interview will be on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, and on Spotify and our podcast. So you're not going to miss it at all. Uh, this is a great conversation with a young man who is very inspiring. My question to you also, though, let's talk about rap music. OK, yeah. um, so I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Well, really, the 80s and 90s. I love rap music because I grew up with it. OK, um, and when I think about poetry, I always connected to rap music because Rap music has always inspired me. I'm a fiction writer and I'm very inspired by anything with a beat. Um, it doesn't have to rhyme, but it's just something about the melody, the, 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 the way um, the words come together, so inspiring. And I try to write with a certain level of rhythm in it because of my love for rap music. Has rap music in, inspired your writing in any way? Oh, definitely, 110%, yeah. Um, you know, funny enough, um, you know, growing up, um, my parents are older, um, and so when we were growing up, a lot of uh, music that we'd be listening to was like, you know, R&B, um, you know, soul type music. My dad was a huge Funkadelic type dude. Um, and, you know, I actually didn't really encounter hip hop and rap until I was in middle school. 
Um, mm. But I remember the the two first artists I ever heard were like um, the first song that I ever recognized in terms of like oh like this is a hip hop song I vibe with was like Kanye West featuring Lupe Fiasco Touch the Sky, mm-hmm. um, and then the very first album that I listened to was Lupe Fiasco's The Cool. Um, so like you know rap and hip hop is a huge influence. Like I'm, I'm definitely uh, a hip hop fan, um, and you know I, I think that rhythm and cadence is something that is very important when it comes to writing, um, especially poetry, especially especially spoken word poetry, because that's kind of like the way in which you engage people, right? That's the way in which you can capture someone's attention and kind of capture their spirit too, because that's something that, you know, like the rhythm is something that we all respond to. Um, and there's just so many great MCs like um, <laughs> that I definitely like look up to from like Andre 3000, uh, Lupe Fiasco in terms of, you know, just a straight up lyricist, um, Big and Tupac, um as far as contemporary folks i'm a big fan of like um no name and smino who do some really interesting things in terms of how they deliver their lines especially smino because he like delivers with kind of sing-songy um type vibe like you know r&b hip-hop smash up shout out to smino st louis um but yeah i think that um hip-hop is definitely a big influence on um my writing and a lot of other writers that i know too just in terms of like it's the culture right it's literally embedded in every single part of like american pop culture to this point but um you know there's the the good stuff and the saturated stuff so like because a big part of like hip-hop is like you know you want your pen to be unique you know what i'm saying um so i definitely try and like embody that spirit where it's like mixing and mashing between what's out there but also trying to make sure my voice is still like heard Excellent. I love that. I I, uh, I grew up listening to rap, you know, Eric B and Rakim mm. and just, you know, KRS-One, uh, Public Enemy. All those um, are the real ones, yeah. Yeah, you know, Tupac, of course, Biggie. You know, it's so amazing. We would basically, I think I lost them. McKenna, are you there? Oh, I'm still here. Sorry, something popped up. Give me one moment. Okay. And yes, absolutely. And so the thing is, is that we, you know, I've learned so much in how to, like you said, the cadence, the tone, the rhythm, all of that has been impactful in how I write. And, you know, I always, I write, my first book was Christian fiction. My second book was more towards urban fiction. I'm not a big fan of the title um, urban fiction, but it's more of a family drama. And, you know, I always say when it comes to Christian fiction, if someone said, well, Michelle, what influenced you? I'm probably going to say rap music. And they're going to go, wait a minute. How does rap music influence you to write Christian fiction? But it's just something about the rhythm. And so, yeah, this is this is a really good thing to know. So, I, you know, does the girls like your um, poetry? Do you write poetry for the girls? I'm just curious to know because... <laughs> That in itself is, you know, a guy writing a girl po- a poem is, you know, you, you, you're going to win. You're going to win with that. Well, I'll, I'll say my, my partner, she likes my poetry. At least that's what she tells me. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when we, was, um, when we was first dating, like, I would share some of my poetry with her, and I ended up writing her some poetry. So I think it ended up working out. We've been together now for, like, uh, over a year, so I, I guess you know it, it, it be working like it really does. <laughs> it works. Trust me on that. It works. So <laughs> that's good to hear. So we would love to hear some of your poetry if you want to um, read something to us. I, I just want to say this to everyone: is that 
winning the top prize for the poetry competition was a big feat. Um, there were people who had published books of poetry that were up, that you were up against and you were able to take the top prize. It speaks volumes to not only your ability to write poetry, but to um, lay it out well enough, sentence structure, you know, tone, texture, everything about it worked. Because when I see poetry on the page as a reader, I wanted to I wanted to highlight the words that need to be highlighted. I want periods where there need to be periods. And if there isn't a period, if that's the style, then it needs to be consistent. There are different things that I'm looking for that's probably going to be different than someone else. But what I do like is that you actually learn the technique. And so last night with the fact that I had the poet laureate on who has published three books and won prizes from, I mean, has done a little bit of everything and listening to her and she's 31 years old and just listening to her recite her poetry, I feel like you are, you're in that vein. You're you're moving in that direction to be as strong of a writer as, as any of the others. Um, it is amazing to me that many of the great poets that we still look at are poets of the past. And I want us to have, you know, more present day contemporary writers who are being seen as great poets right now and so it's so awesome to have you on the screen as a young black man who's writing and i'm gonna say one other thing before you go into reading your poetry as a young african-american man writing poetry have you did you ever feel that this was something that wouldn't be accepted by other black men did you ever worry and concern yourself about that um, never was concerned with that uh, from jump, um, but amongst my peers, like, you know, like my guys have been very supportive in terms of, um, you know, my art and, you know, um, like, you know, one of my good friends that I grew up playing ball with, like, I remember one time I came home to Palmdale and we were just kicking in, catching it up. And, you know, during that time, you know, as I was like finding my voice again, I was like posting some of my poetry on my, you know, my stories every now and then. Um, just to kind of like see how people react to it. Um, and he was just like, man, you really have a gift for this. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, that poetry that you, you know, you're writing is like, you know, it's like, it's beautiful. And, you know, this is coming from, you know, someone who I knew as being uh, like one of the toughest dudes I knew, you know what I'm saying? Like he, you know, always, um, you know, never took mess from nobody, but he was always, you know, he was always a good dude, right? Everybody loved him, but, you know, he was just, um you know uh you know a strong guy and so hearing that from him it was you know i wasn't looking for validation from anybody because it was something that you know made me feel whole um but it was just really cool hearing that from one of my peers growing up with where it was like other people that recognized like you know there's there's beauty to the writing um and just the act of writing not even just specifically my writing um so yeah yeah uh, you know I, I feel like more you know, and I, I think it's interesting because I feel like a lot of African-American men, you know, young black men, you know, we definitely already love poetry because we love hip hop. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just one of those things in terms of like, you know, when all you're left with is, you know, the words in your voice. Right. You know, that's the poetry of it. Um, and I think it's something that's a great outlet, something that, you know, is, you know, a great tool in terms of, you know, us helping other, you know, uh, us helping ourselves understand ourselves um, mm -hmm. and then also being able to connect with others. So, um, you know, uh, being someone who was a former youth organizer, like it was also another way in which, you know, sometimes we would have workshops and we would encourage, you know, some of the young folks, you know, on the call to, you know, try and like, you know, write themselves on the page. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely something that I feel like, at least in the spaces that I've been in, has been encouraged. 
Excellent. That is excellent. And I'm glad to hear that. And the reason why I asked that question is because of just that. There is a, um, you know, there's a lot of masculinity out there and who, you know, there are still people who may feel like they cannot express themselves in writing, um, you know, through the pen because it doesn't, oh, it's not going to be masculine enough or tough enough. And I'm glad to hear particularly that your generation is moving away from that kind of mentality that the, the 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 pen gives you an opportunity to express yourself to share yourself and that's what all of us need to to do in some form or fashion is to authentically have an opportunity and an avenue or a, a vehicle to to share ourselves with the world and so that's beautiful to know that your friends are supporting you so for all the men who are writing poetry keep writing keep writing that's important for you to do and to share that work not only with your family, but specifically with other men so they can understand the power of the pen. So I'm going to put you on the screen so you are the only one and you can read, um, introduce your poem, read it uh, to us, and then we're going to talk about it on the back end. Okay, sounds good. So Michelle and I were talking about which poem I was going to read because I'm indecisive about my stuff. But um, I decided at the end of it um, to read this, spe uh, this specific poem. Uh, it's called An Odyssey. Introduction. The once was a boy. And the boy was 11. I had known him since he was one and he has lived seven different lives. As he and his mother fought dragons that came for their spirits, he was a warrior whose skin was of wooden hues. Each life he lived a storybook, stories whose ethos echoed in other souls, one. The once was a boy who started smoking at 12 and started dealing at 13. His teacher said he looked like a 20-year-old gangbanger and that he would be in jail by his second year of high school made his folks so mad they wouldn't look him in the eye. Instead, they dug valleys out of narrow hallways that they had been shoveling for decades. He'll be going to college next year. He said he was tired of living in the margins of his own story too. There once was a boy who was 16 when he got into the game. He was a bulldog with a bark loud as wrecking balls and a bite as strong as alligator jaws. He lived east of the street that divided the cities into the haves and the have-nots, sold dime bags to help pay for his rent's rent so his brothers wouldn't have to sleep in empty parking lots, which is to say, we all do what we do for the people we love. And he's still trying to spin the soundtrack to the tune he's trying to live to. Three, there once was a boy who lived in a van with his dad, whose mama was high off valley clouds, small, but his eyes were sharp eyes sharp enough to get dimes, eyes as sharp as his tongue, tongue as sharp as his temper that lash out like whips to the woman he loved. It's hard not to be mad when the anger is the only thing that you can call yours, the only place you can call home, the only gift that you can give to others when you're trying to survive long enough to gift your people something else. For there once was a boy whose hands were as big as boulders, with shea butter shoulder blades and rainbow wings that were clipped by his partner's obsession. His only defense was to crack his fists over the heads of men who wanted to cage his bird songs. Five, there once was a boy. No, wait, there were three. They all died in a car crash. 
Their necks were cut into ribbons to wrap their caskets as gifts to their mothers. Six, there once was a boy. No, there was a man, a person whom I've never met, whose name I try hard not to forget, who shares my blood, yet has stood behind bars for a crime long forgotten. His name is, wait, his name is Seven. There once was a boy. No, there were two. No, there were for an infinite number of boys who would stand still as gargoyles when greeted by blue shadows, shadows with fireworks for hands, whose triggers like the taste of blood from boys with wooden hues, which is to say that there are more stories, which is to say I'm getting the order mixed up because this is the start. No, this is the end. No, this is the middle of a story that doesn't end, which is to say that this doesn't end, that we'd never die, and that these stories are the only thing keeping you alive, epilogue because there once was a boy and the boy was 11. I had known him since he was one and he had died seven months before I could make him, I could bring him into my arms again. His mother fought dragons found at the bottom of bottles and was gifted grief that was delivered on the blade of the reaper's scythe, the same blade that would take her son away. And there are so many stories that he lives in. So many stories. Thank you. I feel like there should be silence after that. I, I, that was amazing. Tell me about that poem. What made you write it? Yeah, so um, an odyssey was um, a poem where I was just really reflecting on a lot of, um, you know, the guys and young men and boys that I'd grown up with um, who let, left an impact on me mm -hmm. and thinking about our lives and, you know, these connected stories and, and you know, threads in terms of you know, any one of us could have been in the positions that we found ourselves in um, and that all these stories are connected in some way or another based on, you know, whether we were in, you know, this city or whether we were in this neighborhood or whether we were in the school or whether we weren't. Um, and so the overall um, uh, poem was definitely a dedication to someone I had lost um, a few years back. Um, just in knowing that his life could have been um, not just, you know, any of these lives, but anything greater than these lives, too. Um, and that it's, you know, definitely, a, a, you know, there's a, a lot of pain that exists in some of the experiences that we go through, but are still things that, you know, um, we find ourselves um, progressing through in, in the society. So. Excellent. Beautiful poem. Well read, well written. Absolutely excellent. And that's why you're the top winner for our poetry category. Thank you so much for sharing that. I felt the pain in it. I felt the loss. Um, it made me think of a book that I'm reading by someone on the Black Writers Workspace. It's a book about a young girl who grew up uh, with two parents who were crack addicts in, in um, California. And, um, and so I... I think I'm losing a little bit of my internet, so forgive me if it's a little blurry, but it made me think of her and it made me think of the pain that she went through. 
And so thank you so much for sharing it with us. Tell us about your next steps. Yeah, so as far as my art goes, um, definitely just trying to be a little bit um, more vocal and open in terms of stepping into my voice. Um, you know, I've definitely been writing a lot over the past, uh, you know, a couple of years. And one of the intentions I set for myself before the year ends was to release uh, and self-publish a chapbook of my writing. Um, so, you know, this particular chapbook would be just a collection of, you know, these stories of, you know, these, you know, these formative years and moments of my life um, and the lives of people who I found myself connected to, um, thinking about, you know, how, you know, they made me who I am. Um, it's called The Roots We Lay. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I definitely um, just, you know, in terms of wanting to share my art more on my uh, social media, I'm primarily on Instagram. Um, and, you know, being able to connect with other art artists and just continue to craft my pen um, to, you know, develop my art. Um, you know, right now I'm in an artist collective um, that was founded by a good friend of mine, Kaylin Sabal Wilson, uh, who's an amazing poet and artist. Um, she created um, this artist collective uh, called Lighthouse Darkroom. And so I've been helping in terms of being like an admin coordinator for that. So definitely continue to grow that space. Um, and, you know, one of the projects that we're working on is working um, within our community of artists, which is like visual artists, writers, writers et cetera, um, that we're also developing a zine. Um, so, um, you know, also something that we're expecting to release uh, and publicize by the, the end of this year, too. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going with my art. Um, and then I'm, as far as a personal goal, I also have to start studying for the MCAT because <laughs> I got to take that next March. Uh, so I got to apply for school next year. But uh, yeah, as far as my, my writing goes, um, you know, I want to use this as a, a jumping off point to step into my voice more. Well, do you have the award that you won um, if anywhere around? You can show it to everyone. Uh, no, I don't. It's at my, okay. uh, it's at my, it's at my parents' place. I'm with my, um, I'm with my uh, partner at her spot right now. Okay. Well, you received a cash prize as well as an award, a trophy uh, from the Black Writers Workspace for winning the top prize for poetry. I would like to personally thank you for applying. Thank you for sharing your work. Thank you for the hard work of not only writing, but also being pre-med or working towards being pre-med. Um, we want to see you win in every way possible. So continue to write. I look forward to reading your book. I do not want to hear from you in six months that you are still working on it. <laughs> I see the book and have it in my hand. So that is your challenge is to make sure it's done so that I can read it and we can celebrate you on the Black Writers Workspace. I also would love to stay connected with you about your um, your medical, you know, um, pursuits. And so just continue to stay connected with us. Thank you so much for sharing. I wish we had a little bit more time. I've got another interview to get on. No uh, we did have a comment to come in on YouTube from Miss Denise Dupree. She said, wow, awesome poem. And that is exactly how I feel. Very touching, very moving. Continue to write. You've got You've got something big happening. So, you know, don't don't think that it's not. Um, continue to pursue it. No matter what else you do, don't stop writing. That's going to be essential. So, King, thank you so much for being with us. And as I said to everyone, this will be on our YouTube page. Uh, it would be on our podcast, on Facebook. You can continue to see clips of this amazing poem that he read. I will put a clip of it also on Instagram. And so thank you so much for being with us and good luck in the future.
Thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate it. I'm going to take you off the screen, but I don't want you to go anywhere. Okay? Um, I want to give you a fair, uh, a formal farewell. Uh, so just give me a second. But for now, we will say goodbye to all of our viewers. Wow. If you missed that, you missed something great. So please follow us, subscribe to our YouTube page, follow our podcast on anchor.fm. We are also on Spotify. This is what the Black Writers Workspace is all about. It is about an opportunity to shine a positive light on our African-American writers who are doing some amazing things. And McKean is a great example of that. He is a 20, I think 24, 26. I'm not sure. I can't remember the age. He's a young man who is making some amazing things happen and he wants to be a doctor. So let's continue to support him. When his book is out, we need to go out and support. That's what the Black Writers Workspace is what we do. So thank you all. You're going to see me in a second. I've got another interview coming up at 530 with Ms. Yes, um, Yasin Ben. And we will be talking to her about her company and about the three published books that she has. We will also follow up with an interview with Ethelene Sawyer with Speak Write Play LLC. She's an editor. Great opportunity if you have any questions for an editor to learn about what they do. But for now, we're going to sign off and I'll see you soon.